This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Tuesday, January 10th. You're listening to WNBF. Binghamton police are investigating gunfire that was heard in a residential neighborhood on the city's north side. People on the east end of Doubleday Street reported hearing several shots around 1.30 p.m. on Monday. Binghamton police detective Captain Corey Miner said there had been no indication that anyone was injured. Investigators placed yellow evidence markers in front of a two-story house at 37 Doubleday Street. Broome County property records described the property as a two-family residence. A small purple sign posted on the lawn of the residence featured a photo of Eliza Spencer, the Binghamton girl who was fatally shot near her east side home last April. The sign read, Justice for Eliza. A woman who was inside a nearby home told WMBF News she heard what she believed to be six or seven gunshots. She said when she went outside, she didn't notice any people or vehicles leaving the area. Several other neighborhood residents who gathered to watch police officers and detectives investigating the matter indicated that they weren't surprised by gunfire in the area. One said, just another day on Double Day. People with information about the incident may contact the Binghamton Police Detective Division at 607-772-7080. On Friday, January 6th, approximately a dozen patrons at a local store located within the village of Johnson City observed Matthew Baxter openly masturbating in the family restroom facilities over the course of 50 minutes before the police were notified. Baxter left the door unlocked during the incident, did not announce himself when any of the victims knocked, and made no effort to lock the door after any of the victims opened it and observed him. Baxter was confronted by a store employee after they became aware, but he continued his lewd behavior and a store employee contacted the Johnson City Police Department. After an investigation, Baxter was arrested and brought back to the police department for arrest processing. During this time, it was revealed that Baxter was under the supervision of the New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision, formerly known as New York State Parole. Baxter was released on an appearance ticket as required by New York State bail reform laws, and at this time, New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision has not violated Baxter under the terms of his parole. On January 5th, around 425 a.m., Broome County Sheriff's deputies responded to the Tuscarora Trailer Park on State Line Road in the town of Windsor for a vehicle driving through the park firing a weapon out of the vehicle window. The suspect, Jeremiah Baxter, 19 years old of Windsor, fled the area in his vehicle prior to the deputies arriving. However, Baxter was quickly located on Ostrander Road in Windsor and taken into custody without incident. The rifle used was also recovered. The subsequent investigation revealed that Baxter was upset at a resident inside Tuscarora Trailer Park over a physical dispute that occurred with his relative. Baxter went to the park while driving erratically through it, fired a single 306 rifle round out of the window of the vehicle. The round fired struck a residence inside the park, breaking a window and causing damage to the exterior siding. The residence was occupied, but no one was struck or sustained any injuries. Baxter was transported to the Broome County Sheriff's Office for processing and ultimately taken to central arraignment. He was charged with reckless endangerment in the first degree, a Class D felony. On Friday, January 6th, the Johnson City Police Department responded to a residence on Columbus Place to a the Johnson City Fire Department with a reported house fire. Responding officers located heavy smoke coming from the interior of the residence. The JCFD and Binghamton Fire Department extinguished the fire a short time after their arrival. JCPD did
detectives and JCFD fire investigators began investigating the cause of the fire. Patrol officers and detectives spoke with witnesses, collected video evidence, and spoke with the home's residents. During the investigation, it was determined that a resident of the house had intentionally set the fire and then left. That resident, Thomas Tabor, has been charged with arson in the third degree. Tabor was brought to the JCPD for processing and then taken to Broome County Central Arraignment. Upon his arraignment, he was released in compliance with New York State bail reform laws. On January 7th, officers of the Cortland County Sheriff's Office responded to a Walmart located at 819 Benny Road in the town of Cortlandville for a report of a larceny. It was determined that the defendant, 34-year-old Brandy Rogers, had passed all points of sale in Stolmart's store, as well as damaged Walmart store property. Miss Rogers was also found to be in possession of a controlled substance. She was arrested and transported to the Cortland County Sheriff's Office, where she was processed and issued an appearance ticket for the above charges. Miss Rogers is scheduled to appear in the town of Cortlandville Court on January 23rd. In the month of December, members from Troop C removed 41 impaired drivers off the roadways. Two of those impaired drivers also had a child under the age of 15 in the vehicle with them. 14 of those drivers were more than double the legal limit. Two drivers had been previously convicted of DWI in the last 10 years, and five of those drivers were under the influence of drugs. Troop C encompasses seven counties, with Broome, Shenango, Cortland, Delaware, Otsego, Tioga, and Tompkins counties. On January 9th, state police in Watertown responded to a residence on State Route 37 in the town of Pamelia for a reported stolen vehicle complaint. When troopers interviewed the complainant, he stated that he left his 2023 Toyota Tundra running when he let his dog out of the house. The suspect later identified as Wallace Gibbs III jumped into the vehicle and drove off. As the suspect fled through the city of Watertown, patrols from the state police, Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, and Watertown Police Department attempted to stop the suspect. As the vehicle was reported driving through the city, patrols located and stopped the truck on Washington Street in the city of Watertown. The driver of the stolen vehicle was identified as Wallace Gibbs III, age 32, from Watertown, New York. He was taken into custody and transported to State Police Watertown. Gibbs was charged with grand larceny in the third degree, a Class D felony, and criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree, a Class A misdemeanor, for being in possession of a metal dagger. Gibbs was arraigned in the city of Watertown Court and remanded to the Jefferson County Jail on $7,500 cash bail, $25,000 bail bond, or $50,000 partially secured surety bond. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a slight chance of snow showers before 9 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 36 degrees, chance of snow 20%. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 26. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 39. Tomorrow night, chance of snow after 1 a.m., mixing with rain after 4 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 32 degrees, chance of snow 30%. And Thursday, rain likely mainly after 1 p.m., cloudy with a high near 46 degrees, 60% chance of rain. Thursday night, rain, a low near 42 degrees, chance of rain 80%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Joseph with you on a Tuesday morning. It's live on the radio. We'll have a few things to talk about today between now and noon. I encourage you to listen, and if you feel so motivated, call us at 607-772-1290. Cover on the edge of the road. 
dancing shoes on and we are ready for our tuesday program hope things are going well in your neighborhood everything seems fine in mr joseph's neighborhood i'll let you know if anything changes of course we're here for you to talk about stuff and hey, sometimes we'll shine a spotlight on things that need attention Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's useful to find out what is going on around here. So stick around. Stick around. And I think you're going to learn a few things today. It's the case every day on WNBF. 913, let's go to the phone and start the morning off with uh, caller number one. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Number one. Uh, that, the Three Dog Night did that, didn't I? Do that one. Number one, the loneliest number. <laughs> number one. Yes. So this is Dave Investel. Let me write that down. Dave Investel. Okay, so what's on your mind? Yes, sir. Good morning. You know, I'd like to respond to uh, your cousin Vinny there yesterday when he called in, Bob. Um, you know, he kept calling the Republicans the do-nothing Republicans over and over and over. And, Bob, I don't remember back when um, Pelosi and the rest of them, when, when Trump was being tried for everything in the world, <laughs> trying to be impeached, the Russian invest. I, I didn't hear him whining about the do-nothing Democrats because they spent all their time persecuting and prosecuting Trump. I mean, I didn't hear him complain at all, but now he's complaining. And you know what? He's going to complain even more when there are investigations and they find out just how rotten the Democrats really were and are. He, he's going to He's going to learn something, because I believe that's going to happen, Bob. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be an investigation. That much is true, because the Republicans have been waiting for this opportunity. And and you know what? Can you blame them? I mean, look what the Democrats did for all that time, all our money, all our time, all their time, stuff they could have been working on for the people, which. You know, your cousin seems to be worried about and cares about. He didn't seem to whine very much back then, Bob, because I listened all the time. I never heard him complain. Not once. But now he is. So. All right. Well, it's always great to see how, uh, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, they're committed to getting things done. As they say, the song remains the same. I thought 2023 would be different. No, it's, it's basically the same refrain. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, my name's Nikki. I'm calling from Johnson City. Yeah, what's up? 
just want to know what you thought of uh, President Biden's three-hour trip to the uh, border wall. Uh, in my personal opinion? Yeah. Mm, giant waste of time. I mean, do you think it was even... I mean, I I couldn't believe that he got on a plane, went to went to Texas, and didn't bother to look at one one migrant, one immigrant. Now one now one person. Did he shake a hand? Did he see? That's why I'm saying it was a giant waste of time. It was a political stunt, yeah. and he was basically forced to make a visit to the border because of the opposition. So in the event that he does choose to seek a second term, which I don't believe he will. But he's uh, hedging his bets, so he has some uh, video of him in the border area. And so the next time some Republican says, well, you never visited the border, he could say, well, actually, I did in January 2023. Here, I have a picture. So, But as far as, as, far as what, if anything was accomplished, I'm, I'm not aware of anything that he accomplished with that, with that trip. Maybe... Maybe he would like to call in to explain what he thinks he accomplished. Yeah, send the flag out, and we'll like to see if he uh, replies. I, w- I would be shocked if he has much reply to any of this. Um, I mean, because what, what can you say in your defense? You took the, took the money and the time to go there to not even, to not even be – it wasn't personal. It wasn't personalized at all, and even the Mexican government is not too happy about this as well. Well, why would they be happy? Now, here's here's a, a given. Even though we're only 10 days into the new year, uh, keep this in mind. One thing that likely won't change at all this year is virtually nobody will be happy about anything. Okay? I mean, that's it, it now seems to be a constant with uh, too many Americans. They're They're displeased at all times about something. It could be about a government official it could be about a business it could be something in their personal lives rarely these days do i encounter anyone who seems happy well i'll tell you what i'm happy i was just disappointed i uh well i'll say this i i was disappointed too but not to the point where it affects it affects my happiness quotient my hq is actually pretty high this year and i'm not going to let it get me down as far as a president of the united states doing photo ops that's what presidents do best his predecessor did it and the one before him and then the one before him etc presidents especially ever since the debut of radio and then tv and now the internet presidents are are always always excelling at promoting themselves. Yes, definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, 2023 gratitude is the attitude. I'm grateful that I live in a country where I can be free and not be tormented by economical depression and uh, just, you know, deplorable conditions, you know? So yeah, gratitude is the attitude, Bob. Absolutely. Absolutely. As far as, you know, commenting on things that president biden does or things he doesn't do hey it's it's fine we're americans and we're entitled to comment but i i don't take anything that he does or any other government official at any level i don't take it personally all i know from uh, years of observation elected officials uh, have one motive 
ultimately, I'm not saying the only motive, but one overriding, overarching motive is to promote themselves. And if they um, are eligible to seek another term, they always want to uh, keep that option open. It's not always available. The mayor of Binghamton, for example, can only serve eight years maximum. So you see what happens after uh, a mayor is elected to his second term because of term limits. They don't have to be as responsive as if they were possibly considering uh, a run for re-election. Right. Yeah, right. you know, that's that's the downside of term limits. You know, I, I, I know for some people, the concept of term limits is popular, but the fact is, if you're term limited, that's even true for the President of the United States. You can only serve two years eight years maximum so after a president no matter who is elected to a second term some people say they they actually are free or more free to do what they want to because they don't have to worry about specific repercussions from the voters so maybe that's good maybe it's not good oh we'll find out with trump won't we we sure will stay tuned thank you for your call it's 921, Bob Joseph, serving America with our very best microphone and one of the better telephones available on the market in that price range. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. Uh, I was wondering where I could buy some marijuana. Well, thank you, John, from Binghamton, for asking. Um, I am an unlicensed person, so I can't... I can't really discuss that now. That, now that makes it sound like I've got a trunk full of weed. As far as if I wanted to buy weed, and I don't, uh, during the 10 o'clock news break, I could probably obtain weed and then be back well well in time to, to plan my second hour out. So it's virtu- virtually everywhere in Broome County you can buy weed. Now, you can't do it legally yet. That's coming in a few weeks. Oh, I see. It's not open. I, I thought it was open. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, actually, I don't know okay. for sure. I don't think it's open, but I, I will check. I did go buy one one of the illegal weed shacks that I was going to do a story on last fall. I actually paid several visits to them, and they're being coy. You know, it's like, well, you know, the cops know about us, and they, they leave us alone. And I said, well, I want to do a story about this business and the employees there were all for it they said well i don't see what harm would be done but they had to check with the so-called big guy and apparently the big guy never gave a green light for me to do a story but that that one specific weed shack where i was hoping to do a story it looks i drove by this morning it looked to be closed so i i think now that now that uh legal sales are about to commence in new york state i think a lot of the flagrant storefronts that were open. I mean, illegal sales will continue, but the, you know, basically the in-your-face in every little empty storefront that people can find that they, where they can rent for 50 bucks a month, I, I think some of those operations will be, be gone. Now, why does the state think that people who have violated uh, laws in the past would be a good bet to be successful, honest businessmen. I mean, would you, in other words, if prostitution was legalized, would you make the pimps uh, the owners of legal brothels? 
what in their background of these people, since they're being judged on two things, essentially, they're being judged on the color of their skin and their criminal record, their criminal past. Uh, I, I don't think uh, that that would make an honest uh, business person, and I don't think that person uh, would be able to uh, run a thriving business. But what the state is up against, and everybody knows this, unlike prohibition, where uh, booze was illegal for a couple of years and then it was illegal in Canada for a couple of years and then it was legal in both places, uh, marijuana has been legal uh, and popular for a good long time. And the parallel market, the illegal market in marijuana is so well developed uh, that the state has to be highly naive uh, to think uh, that they can uh, uh, compete uh, both, both, by the way, in quality. I, I see one pop shop in New York City. They're already complaining about how bad the product is. Uh, so why does the state think it can put people in business that are offering inferior uh, products to the connoisseurs of marijuana and uh, uh, think that, that somehow uh, this is going to be successful is beyond me. And and, you know, we talk about police. Now are the police going to be revenue agents? Uh, is this going to be another Lucy uh, uh, cigarette thing where uh, people that are, are selling a blunt on the sidewalk are, are going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, be arrested and, and shook down I, I, just because so the state can get its fair share of the revenues? I, this, you know, I, I, there hasn't been a reasoned discussion uh, about marijuana at all, uh, and and it's not going to be successful. It's not going to produce the revenue that these folks claim it is. Well, that might be true. I mean, in the long term, I think, and, and when I say long term, I'm talking about at least five years, five to ten years, it'll probably be successful because eventually they'll iron out a lot of the problems that are inevitable and ultimately i think the system of selling cannabis in new york state will resemble the system of selling alcohol which is it's not perfect but they've been doing that now for several decades and they managed to uh address many of the problems so i i think it'll even wind up who knows eventually down the road in a decade or two it might have um, a single agency that regulates alcohol and cannabis sales. Well, the, the manufacturer of the product, you know, alcohol, uh, you can't compare that industry to the marijuana industry because, I mean, these companies, uh, Jim Beam, whoever, uh, have been in business for, uh, you know, 100-plus years. Uh, they know how to produce their product. The, the major brewing companies, people may not like them, uh, but they certainly know how to produce their uh, quality product. I uh, Well, you can make the same argument with, with companies that make cigarettes. I mean, there are a lot of products, well, not a lot, well, but there are a few products that uh, I I don't view as enhancing and, and bringing about a healthy lifestyle, but they've been legalized and regulated by state and federal authorities. Um, and they, let's face it, they bring in a lot of money. Tobacco, tobacco, alcohol, cannabis, and this is uh, not directly related, but gambling. All these things, I think, I think uh, government would have 
uh, preferred that they be illegal because I don't see where they make for uh, a, a healthier overall lifestyle for some people and, and could lead to big problems for, for a few people who can't uh, enjoy, as they say, as euphemistically, uh, enjoy these things responsibly and, and they wind up having trouble money trouble or other big problems because of these uh, these activities. But a government is more than happy to cash in on human weaknesses. One, one thing, I, I note that how quickly uh, these uh, marijuana operations, these uh, sticker shops were uh, cracked down on and closed, while the illegal massage parlors have remained open in this community for two decades, more opening all the time. And there is absolutely no interest among these police chiefs or the sheriff uh, or the state police to uh, shut them down. So one must assume, and the only thing that I can come up with, is that this is preferential treatment for the ethnic group that is involved in these uh, illegal massage parlors. That's the only thing, because you can open up, you can put a sign up, open, 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 flash the sign, take in customers, take in money, not know anything about massage, possibly injure a person, and violate the law. Uh, it's a fe- classy felony, and nothing is done. So I've got to assume that the authorities in this community uh, are 100% for uh, illegal massages and and the human trafficking that go on with it. Well, unless and until there's an outcry from residents, whether it's residents of Binghamton or other communities around here, there'll be no incentive. Why? Why would elected officials and then ultimately law enforcement officials? Why? Why would they work to shut down things when nobody? Obviously not nobody, where very few people ever bring it up. You would think that other people in Broome County besides you would say, hey, I don't like that particular business being near my home or that particular business being near my store or whatever or in somewhat close proximity to a school. But you don't hear much about that. It it strikes me that in recent years, the only person who's ever called about that issue has been you. Well, and I had uh, camera footage and everything else. I could, well, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll continue my one-man crusade. Yeah, but be careful because some of the people, and I've, I've always advised caution to you in the past, John, because sometimes the people that you're trying to shine a spotlight on might not appreciate it, and they might react in a less than positive manner well i'm just saying caution caution is advised one of them has a sticker on their door that says they support the local police i'm sure they do and uh police association and stuff (laughs) like that you know and that's another thing you know it's again unless there's a directive remember individual cops don't have discretion in most cases. I mean, they have a little bit of discretion if they're doing speed enforcement. If they're out uh, patrolling uh, secondary streets in the triple cities or the highways, you know, if someone's breaking the speed limit, they could choose to stop them and write them for speeding, or they could stop them and uh, encourage them to uh, 
be more aware of the speed regulations or sometimes they let them go so they've got some discretion there as far as whether it comes to taking action against other businesses that uh, appear to be illegal operations that that comes from the top that involves a police chief or a mayor and then ultimately even a district attorney because if they're going to make an arrest they can't what's the point of making an arrest unless there's going to be a prosecution well that's 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 for sure and this brings me to the district attorney's race there's whole categories of crime see you can if you're a criminal you can figure out things very easily like these guys the shoplifters figured out the the nine hundred dollar or the thousand dollar rule uh you know all you have to do is go into an area and see there when there's whole categories of crime of criminal activity that are not being prosecuted that's the district attorney saying to you come on in and open up because we're not going going to stop this we're going to let you uh, make all the money you want to make. We're going to let you uh, do this illegal activity. And that, I believe, is a violation of the oath of office. If Michael Korchak can go down the, uh, what is that, uh, the Main Street, I guess what, what they call that, uh, from Westover to Endwell, if he can go up that street on his way home and observe that, uh, turn right, uh, turn his head right and turn his head left, and see at least two illegal massage parlors there. Uh, if he wants to go to the mall, he could see one there. If he wants to go to... But, uh, uh, you know, it still comes back to the point, whether you're talking about that business or any other business that appears to be violating the laws on the books, unless there's a political will. And, look, whether it's a district attorney or a mayor or anybody else who runs for election... They can listen to a program like this. There's not an outpouring. Nobody, to my knowledge, in recent years has held a protest outside any of these businesses that might be violating laws and had signs that said, you know, shut this down and obey the law and, and stop doing illegal things. So unless there is a concerted effort, I don't. I don't see any reason why any authority in Broome County is going to spend even 10 seconds thinking about it. They've got bigger fish to fry. We have people shooting up neighborhoods in broad daylight. That's what we had uh, Monday afternoon in a Binghamton neighborhood where somebody is shooting off six or seven shots. So that's I think that's a bigger issue. Now, as far as whether anybody gets arrested for the um, shots fired incident, on the north side on Monday. We'll see about that. But again, as far as some of these other uh, apparently illegal activities, I, based on what I know to be the workload of the DA's office and the workload for local cops, I don't, I don't see any reason why they're going to spend one minute thinking about it. Huh. Well, I thought we were for women and against you. We are. We are. But again, ultimately, ultimately, it needs to be part of a, a community a community has to make a conclusion do you want certain activities going on or don't you much care and so far based on hey this program has been on we we celebrated or observed the 11th anniversary of the program on monday i recall very few people checking in to uh, to express concern about this i'm not saying some people aren't concerned but they're not concerned enough to uh, bring it up on this program.
Well, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, you, you can spend about ten to $20,000 uh, getting your license, you know, getting the educational requirements uh, for a licensed massage uh, therapist. And there are probably, I don't know, a guesstimate between 50 and 100 uh, licensed people in that profession. Uh, and then you allow uh, this. Uh, it, it seems like there is absolutely no incentive to do it the correct way. Well, depends what kind of massage you have in mind. People who go through the, the training and the process to learn professional massage and then obtain the, the appropriate license, license through the state, they have one business in mind, and I think there may be others who consider themselves to be massage therapists who have a different business model and, and are providing perhaps different services. Well, it's a nice place to uh, raise a family. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's a, a, not a nice place to raise a family. I'm just going to say if, if you want certain businesses addressed, you have to organize, apparently. We'll see if it becomes an issue in the next district attorney's race. 937, Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. Funny News Radio 939 with Bob Joseph on WNBF. Back to the phones we go. Matt in Binghamton, the former mayor of the Parlor City. Matthew Ryan, good morning. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Um, very good. Uh, happy New Year to everybody. Thank you. I called in in the new year, and uh, I hope everybody's doing well. Well, thank you. Oh. oh, yeah. I I didn't want to interrupt like I usually do. Oh. <laughs> that was no, a that was a New Year's resolution and based on based on the first few programs of the year, I I think I broke my New Year's resolution not to interrupt callers as often. I think I broke it in the first 30 seconds of of the first program of the year. So, eh, at least at least it was well-intentioned. That's like all the people that sign up for the gym and don't show up after two weeks, I guess. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I, th I think John should consider uh, the fact that um, if we went the other route that other states have gone in legalizing, uh, you know, retail dispensary licenses and giving those out, um, basically we would just have a whole bunch of big corporations that come in who are ready to go that uh, will not allow any local people, they, they'll, they'll win out, and uh, they'll be the multi-state, uh, large multi-state operators, and, and they'll be at the center, they would be at the center of New York's recreational program. But uh, I think the approach is very interesting, and, uh, you know, you, you don't get, you also have to, um, if, if you have a, related cannabis related conviction you also has to have business experience those are the first ones that we're going to get a chance to have um, uh, conditional 
retail dispensary licenses. So it's not just anybody. Uh, you still have to go through a pretty intense pro process to uh, get licensed. And, uh, the, you know, the fact that so many people suffered under this uh, stupid law where we let people all, all the time that marijuana was illegal, we were let, we'd let people drink a quart of vodka every day and end up uh, in the hospital and detoxing just like, you know, just like uh, why, why would we draw the line at uh, um, marijuana and, and not alcohol? And so if, if people were getting it anyway, we all know that drug, uh, drug uh, interdiction has not been successful. And I've said many times if, if we don't get a hold on, on uh, making, you know, somehow getting fentanyl out of the drug system. And the only way we're going to do that is by probably legalizing other substances to make sure that what people get is not going to kill them. Uh, people are going to get high. People have gotten high all all the time, all through through our whole history. And I think that uh, the fact that New York State took a different approach to give uh, smaller business people rather than multinational or big corporations all of our, uh, you know, all the business uh, is a good thing. Well, we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm curious to see ultimately how it plays out. Maybe. It'll serve as uh, uh, a model for other states across the country. And m maybe if it doesn't work as well for whatever reason, maybe people will say, eh, we'll, we'll not try to replicate New York's system. Or maybe they'll try to come up with, um, you know, a mix of ideas with what some other states have done uh, mixed in with some aspects of, of New York's approach. And that's, uh, you know, somebody conservative like John should probably like a state's rights approach. Yeah. Let each state have an experiment and see which comes out best. Well, well, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm very curious, as I have said on more than one occasion, I think ultimately the reason why adult use and uh, ultimately the legalized sale of cannabis was approved was primarily be not because that's what people want or primarily because a lot of people are already using cannabis i think primarily the motivation in albany was the money aspect but eh, of you know, course. yeah which yeah. you know again nobody's surprised by that that's that's how government approaches most issues it's 944 you're listening to news radio wnbf 921 fm 1290 am always Available on the WNBF app. It's free. You want. WNBF. 9.46. Bob Joseph live on your Tuesday morning. Let's go back to the phones. It's Dale in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Yeah, I just want to talk about all this classified information flying around. Everybody has it and everything. Is this going to be the new normal? Is every president or ex-president going to be um, judged for this? Or is there are there laws that um, so they can't take it out of, you know, class or declassify it or whatever? You know, is, is this a new normal? 
that we're going to have to live with? Well, gosh, I hope not. But unless and until steps are taken to uh, aggressively prosecute people who violate the law with respect to confidential documents, uh, yeah, I would, I would think that uh, going forward, every future president is going to probably uh, take as many confidential documents as they can stuff into their U-Haul trailer when they leave office. I don't know what's this coming to, but it's... Uh... Well, it's basically, uh, I think it reflects overall society. Uh, think of how many laws that are routinely disregarded by most of us. They're, Probably almost 98% of the people listening have broken uh, the law regarding speeding or something already today, and it's not even 10 a.m. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm watching people go through the red light. So Yeah, what about these people who are constantly jaywalking? That's a law, and yet it's never enforced. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, and not, you know as far as marijuana is concerned, I, I think the companies, because... You know, being a truck driver and everything, I, I could never use it marijuana. I could never drink and drive. I mean, well, what are these companies going to do? Time. I mean, in the end, now they is, fire them. They fire but them. but ultimately, and and a lot of companies already, trucking companies and other companies that employ people who uh, drive for a living or people who are engaged in in operating dangerous machine machinery, they're already encountering difficulty getting enough workers so basically the way things are going with uh, legalization of cannabis use in so many states what are companies going to do when they test their workforce either applicants or do routine testing random testing of their employees and 92 percent test positive for cannabis what do they do then shut down well they need to do something because there are you know, if you're out there on the interstate and you're high as a kite and, and something happens, um, it's you're you're they're only trying to, you know, not not have people get hurt out there. And I don't understand um you know, there's gonna be other people driving and doing cannabis or this, that and her thing and it's just uh you know, I, I uh, I'm not for it, not for spreading it around around everywhere like that just buying it and this and that they need stricter laws out there and maybe every everybody should get tested on the interstate you know not just truck drivers and i mean every well, state pull, pull people over at pull people over on an interstate 86 at random and make them pee in a cup yep that's what we do or that's what truck drivers do every every um, they have uh, inspections. They drive, you know, vehicles that can stop you right on the interstate, and and they'll take you to a testing area or you know stuff like that. They do that all the time. I could never. I loved my job, you know, and so I I never really did any of that, you know, and uh, because of my job, because I love my job, you know, and uh, if people want to take that chance, I don't know. That's up to them, but. I just don't agree with it being spread all over, especially with, you know, kids and this and that and everything. It needs, it needs to be fixed somehow. So that's my opinion. Well, I appreciate your call, and we'll see what the uh, other listeners have to say today about regulating the use of cannabis, especially for people who drive for a living or if they're in 
occupations where they could endanger the public or themselves if they're high using cannabis. 951, our number is 607-772-1290. More calls coming up. In case you're new to the concept, we're on every morning from 9 to noon right here on News Radio WNBF. Hello. Fifty-two with Bob Joseph on WNBF. Bob and Vestal, good morning. You're on the air. Hey, instead of a chicken in every pot, a joint in every hand. It probably will come that uh, it come to that at some point. Uh, when I yeah, walk I around here, I'm out. I'm out covering the the news around here. Even yesterday, I went to three different places yesterday, and Meatloaf would have been proud. Two out of three. I could smell weed, so I'm I'm there having to be exposed to secondhand weed while I'm out doing my job covering Am the I news. I, I like the smell of it. I just I, I, if I smoke that stuff, I'm flying through the air. It's unbelievable. When I was a kid, I smoked it all the time. But, now, but they tell me now that the stuff that that they're selling now has a lot more of the THC. Oh, than, you ain't kidding! You know. It's crazy. It's crazy, and these people I know still smoke it. I go, how the hell do you do that without falling asleep or whatever? Well, the other thing is, not just that, but don't you think it's going to cause lung problems and breathing problems at some point for many people? Yeah, I had a friend uh, die, oh, God, two years ago going on, and he smoked it a lot. I don't know, his lungs were... I guess his lungs were all right, but he drank a lot to his liver. It's, I mean, it's a crazy life. Like I said, when I was younger, I used to do it because it was a cool thing to do. But all of a sudden, it was like, wow, this stuff's weird. I, I got to get off it. So I just quit years and years ago. But I love the smell of it. I mean, if somebody's around me smoking, oh, God, that smells good. I don't like it. I used wow, to like. Really? I, I used to like the way it smelled, and now every time I'm around it, and it's unwillingly now. Um, I don't like the way it smells. Does it smell different than it used to? Uh, it's got a pungent skunky. Yeah, well, it's, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's too, it's too pungent. I want them, and again, I'm not going to be in the market for it, but if, if they're going to sell it legally, I want them to come up with a new, a new variety that makes it less pungent and more more enjoyable for those who have to be subjected to the secondhand smoke because well, I've, pinched, I've pinched a plant a bud and it's like your fingers almost stick together it's so why is that the thc yeah yeah oh, I mean, it's it, very it's, weird. <laughs> i don't know how they made it just much stronger but it's unbelievable well i i think what i think they did they probably did grafting or whatever i mean sort of the same way that food scientists have been able to oh, yeah. alter. I mean, look at the look at the tomato. You know, remember when the tomato was really nice, and then somebody from the uh, grocery industry or trucking industry said, you know, if we could develop a tomato that would be uh, far far sturdier, doesn't have to taste better, but make sure it always yeah. looks red for like the next twelve months, and make sure that it can withstand the usual battering of being you know trucked 
and shipped hundreds of miles from the place where it was grown to the place where it's sold. So let's let's make tomatoes like that. And then you notice a lot of the tomatoes in recent years that ultimately make it to major supermarkets don't taste much like tomatoes, but, man, they look good, and they, they can they withstand them. You can hit them with a baseball bat. They I know. Even give. I know. They're terrible. I remember years ago getting at one of those and making a salad, and I go, why did we even put this in the salad? Well, that's why, a- that's why you have to use discretion when you're buying tomatoes. You have to make sure that you don't get one of those mass-produced pieces of who knows what and yeah and i mean there you can still obtain decent tasty delightful tomatoes but you have to be more choosy and of my course they'll cost more my buddy gave me a bunch of them there when they ripened in september i think it was gave me about 20 nice beautiful tomatoes right off the vine every sandwich i made for the next couple of weeks was a slice of that oh, there. now you i want now i want a blt i want a blt oh, with one of you know uh made from one of those types of tomatoes yeah made made with not inferior bacon but with the best bacon yes it'll and cost almost. money Hellman's. Oh, I was gonna say, I was, I was gonna say, Hellman's real mayonnaise, not that unreal stuff. And I still think it's funny about Hellman's. Maybe I've mentioned this before. I just can't believe that they don't sell that in California. Good, they don't deserve it. You know what they sell instead? Best. Food. Yeah, best foods. Yeah, it's yeah. just the weirdest thing. I'm not aware of any other nationally sold product that is sold under two separate brands in the country. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it, it's a long weird. story. Someday I'll I'll tell you the story. It's it's weird and convoluted, but you would think cuz for for several years the brand Hellman's and then the the brand that they sell as they say west of the Rockies Best Foods Mayonnaise, the brand has been owned by Unilever and you would think that by now they would have said, "All right, enough West Coast. We've had it." You know, starting whatever, January 10th, 2023, what you've been buying is Best Foods mayonnaise. From now on, is going to have the Hellman's label. It's the same stuff. We're not, we're not going to have two labels, but it's complicated. But anyway, it's just one of those odd stories in America. And yes, there is a reason for it, but why, why they still do that now, it's, it's just, we'll just say bizarre. This is Bob Joseph live Tuesday morning for you on News Radio WNBF. Hi, I'm WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Tuesday, January 10th. You're listening to WNBF. Binghamton police are investigating gunfire that was heard in a residential neighborhood on the city's north side. People on the east end of Doubleday Street reported hearing several shots around 1.30 p.m. on Monday. Binghamton Police Detective Captain Corey Miner said there had been no indication that anyone was injured. Investigators placed yellow evidence markers in front of a two-story house at 37 Doubleday Street. Broome County Property Records described the property as a two-family residence. A small purple sign posted on the lawn of the residence featured a photo of Eliza Spencer, the Binghamton girl who was fatally shot near her east side home last April. The sign read, Justice for Eliza. A woman who was inside a nearby home told WMBF News she heard what she believed to be six or 
or seven gunshots. She said when she went outside, she didn't notice any people or vehicles leaving the area. Several other neighborhood residents who gathered to watch police officers and detectives investigating the matter indicated that they weren't surprised by gunfire in the area. One said, just another day on Double Day. People with information about the incident may contact the Binghamton Police Detective Division at 607-772-7080. On Friday, January 6th, approximately a dozen patrons at a local store located within the village of Johnson City observed Matthew Baxter openly masturbating in the family restroom facilities over the course of 50 minutes before the police were notified. Baxter left the door unlocked during the incident, did not announce himself when any of the victims knocked, and made no effort to lock the door after any of the victims opened it and observed him. Baxter was confronted by a store employee after they became aware, but he continued his lewd behavior and a store employee contacted the Johnson City Police Department. After an investigation, Baxter was arrested and brought back to the police department for arrest processing. During this time, it was revealed that Baxter was under the supervision of the New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision, formerly known as New York State Parole. Baxter was released on an appearance ticket as required by New York State bail reform laws, and at this time, New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision has not violated Baxter under the terms of his parole. On January 5th, around 425 a.m., Broome County Sheriff's deputies responded to the Tuscarora Trailer Park on State Line Road in the town of Windsor for a vehicle driving through the park firing a weapon out of the vehicle window. The suspect, Jeremiah Baxter, 19 years old of Windsor, fled the area in his vehicle prior to the deputies arriving. However, Baxter was quickly located on Ostrander Road in Windsor and taken into custody without incident. The rifle used was also recovered. The subsequent investigation revealed that Baxter was upset at a resident inside Tuscarora Trailer Park over a physical dispute that occurred with his relative. Baxter went to the park while driving erratically through it, fired a single 306 rifle round out of the window of the vehicle. The round fired struck a resident inside the park, breaking a window and causing damage to the exterior siding. The resident was occupied, but no one was struck or sustained any injuries. Baxter was transported to the Broome County Sheriff's Office for processing and ultimately taken to central arraignment. He was charged with reckless endangerment in the first degree, a Class D felony. On Friday, January 6th, the Johnson City Police Department responded to a residence on Columbus Place to assist the Johnson City Fire Department with a reported house fire. Responding officers located heavy smoke coming from the interior of the residence. The JCFD and Binghamton Fire Department extinguished the fire a short time after their arrival. JCPD detectives and JCFD fire investigators began investigating the cause of the fire. Patrol officers and detectives spoke with witnesses, collected video evidence, and spoke with the home's residents. During the investigation, it was determined that a resident of the house had intentionally set the fire and then left. That resident, Thomas Tabor, has been charged with arson in the third degree. Tabor was brought to the JCPD for processing and then taken to Broome County Central Arraignment. Upon his arraignment, he was released in compliance with New York State bail reform laws. On January 7th, officers of the Cortland County Sheriff's Office responded to a Walmart located at 819 Benny Road in the town of Cortlandville for a report of a larceny. It was determined that the defendant, 34-year-old Brandy Rogers, had passed all points of sale in Stolmart's store, as well as damaged Walmart's store property. Miss Rogers was also found to be in possession of a controlled substance. She was arrested and transported to the Cortland County Sheriff's Office, where she was processed and issued an appearance ticket for the above charges. Miss Rogers is scheduled to appear in the town of Cortlandville Court on January 23rd. In the month of December, members from Troop C removed 41 impaired drivers off the roadways. Two of those impaired drivers also had a child under the age of 15 in the vehicle with them. 14 of those drivers were more than double the legal limit. Two drivers had been previously convicted of DWI in the last 10 years, and five of those drivers were under the influence of drugs. Troop C encompasses seven counties, 
with Broome, Shenango, Cortland, Delaware, Otsego, Tioga, and Tompkins counties. On January 9th, state police in Watertown responded to a residence on State Route 37 in the town of Pamelia for a reported stolen vehicle complaint. When troopers interviewed the complainant, he stated that he left his 2023 Toyota Tundra running when he let his dog out of the house. The suspect later identified as Wallace Gibbs III jumped into the vehicle and drove off. As the suspect fled through the city of Watertown, patrols from the state police, Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, and Watertown Police Department attempted to stop the suspect. As the vehicle was reported driving through the city, patrols located and stopped the truck on Washington Street in the city of Watertown. The driver of the stolen vehicle was identified as Wallace Gibbs III, age 32, from Watertown, New York. He was taken into custody and transported to State Police Watertown. Gibbs was charged with grand larceny in the third degree, a Class D felony, and criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree, a Class A misdemeanor, for being in possession of a metal dagger. Gibbs was arraigned in the city of Watertown Court and remanded to the Jefferson County Jail on $7,500 cash bail, $25,000 bail bond, or $50,000 partially secured surety bond. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a slight chance of snow showers before 9 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 36 degrees, chance of snow 20%. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 26. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 39. Tomorrow night, chance of snow after 1 a.m., mixing with rain after 4 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 32 degrees, chance of snow 30%. And Thursday, rain likely mainly after 1 p.m., cloudy with a high near 46 degrees, 60% chance of rain. Thursday night, rain, a low near 42 degrees, chance of rain 80%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, news radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Good morning, I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Feel free to call us from a pay phone or any other phone. Well, on the plus side, we haven't heard anything about Hunter's laptop in a couple of days, so I guess... You could view that as progress. The other thing I noticed with progress, and we're always looking for progress around here, at 5 p.m. in downtown Binghamton on Monday, progress was observed because it wasn't totally dark. I remember, whatever, two or three short weeks ago, it was totally dark at 5 p.m. I think it was totally dark at about 4.30. Now, we can... uh, wander around downtown Binghamton and it's not all dark. It's getting dark, but every day it seems we're making incremental progress. And as I noted on Twitter with the little photo I took of the beautiful WNBF Tower here in downtown Binghamton, formerly known as the WNBF Lofts. (laughs) That was an idea. Um, Yeah, it was actually a Kind of a stunning picture there. They snapped right about 5 p.m. on Monday and then posted it. So 
Yes. And before you know it, come June 20th or so, it'll still be pretty much that light even at 9 p.m. So we are gradually making some progress. So that's a good sign. One thing you uh, may have discovered already is slippery conditions. Slippery conditions. If you're out traveling around the Twin Tiers or maybe attempting to walk on the sidewalk or driveway or deck or patio at your home, maybe you've discovered to your chagrin that it's slippery in places. So just uh, continue to be aware of that. It uh, should not be much of a problem for too much longer now because temperatures are starting to warm up. It's 33 right now in downtown Binghamton. There had been some patchy freezing drizzle this morning. And um, I discovered quickly when I let the dogs out. Okay, there's the answer to your question. Who let the dogs out? I let the dogs out this morning. And I discovered, whoa, whoa, that's a bit slippery. Whoa. Sadly, though, I didn't fall. And therefore, I am here. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Bob? Well, he fell when he let the dogs out. No, it was just slippery. Trust me, if if I plan to fall on a slippery surface, I'll make sure to have a couple of video cameras set up so you can see it in all its glory. So again, still could be a couple of slippery surfaces around the area, according to the National Weather Service. I'm not aware of any serious crashes over the last few hours. When I was driving into beautiful downtown Binghamton this morning, I, I didn't see any serious issues at all. Everything seemed to be 100% normal, or as normal as it can be in 2023. Uh, what else is going on around the region? Of course, we... We'll let you know if any new information is released about the Binghamton police investigation into a report that shots were fired. There were shots heard in a Binghamton neighborhood about 1.30 Monday afternoon. And apparently, apparently, apparently nothing was struck. No houses or vehicles or people, as far as we know. Gary from the West Side wrote by email. He sent it to Bob at WNBF.com. Just a short email regarding commercials. Bob, why is Chick-fil-A doing commercials on WNBF? There are no Chick-fil-A around here. Dot, 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 yet. Gary from the West Side, yes. You're on to something, Gare. Uh, Mike. Mike D., Mike D. writes, Hi, Bob. You can be gifted pot at your local hemp store by purchasing a trinket for $25. There is a loophole in the regulations that allows the hemp stores to gift pot for a purchase unrelated to the item purchased. That includes oils and gummies. The only warning it comes with is that it is killer weed, and if you have not used it before, you need to take care with your use. Thank you, Mike D., and it's interesting to me 
that the people who are running the little sticker shops or gift shops or whatever they want to call themselves, it's interesting that they're so proud to be able to make a buck off the loophole and the state regulations that they don't want to talk about it in most cases. They're in some parts of New York State, some operators have been pleased to discuss it, and they, they basically have the courage of their convictions. They say, hey, we didn't write the regulations, but we read the regulations, and we see how legally we believe we can sell the cannabis because of the poorly, poorly uh, written state regulations. But the weird thing is, around here, all the people who are so proudly selling cannabis, when you buy a trinket, a sticker, or whatever, a stamp, whatever, they don't want to talk about it for a news story. You know, they're proud, and yet, no, we can't talk about it. Okay. I see. <laughs> I see what you're doing. It's 1018. Bob Joseph with you. Tuesday morning. If you want to call 607-772-1290, if you want to fire off an email, we um, may read some more emails on the air. If they're uh, suitable for airing, send them to bob at wnbf.com. By the way, I have received important information about uh, a ticket giveaway. Uh, next hour, we will give away a pair of tickets for an event that's coming up next week. I know you're saying, well, Bob, what do you mean a pair of tickets to an event that's coming up next week? Well, what I mean is you have to stay tuned. I will say that it's for an event where both shows are already sold out, so the only way that you can get tickets, if you haven't purchased them already, will be to listen to this program. And then we'll tell you all about it. That's next hour. In the meantime, this hour, stay tuned because we have a lot to talk about. Bob Joseph live Tuesday morning news radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF with Bob Joseph. Well, here's something that I find intriguing about 
Ron DeSantis. He's a Florida guy who happens to be the governor of America's most newsworthy and noteworthy state. Ron DeSantis now has a policy of trying to sidestep reporters. This is a story that is in the New York Times today, online and in print, and I find it very intriguing because here's an elected official who is doing his best to avoid some of the unpleasant questions that sometimes are posed by reporters. So the guy who was uh, reporting on the Ron DeSantis re-election campaign, ABC News assigned uh, reporter Miles Cohen. And he has encountered trouble, or he did encounter trouble, when he was trying to cover Ron DeSantis. The governor would not grant him an interview. Aides barred him from some campaign events and interrupted his conversations with supporters. So... <laughs> That's one way to treat reporters. If you don't like a reporter, you take steps to make it very difficult or even impossible for the reporter to do his or her job. So that's what that's what they're doing with uh, the Ron DeSantis press operation. Sideline a reporter. The uh, headline in the Times says, Trump vilified the press. DeSantis goes further by sidelining reporters. The story in the Times says, On election night, the reporter, Miles Cohen, decamped to a friendlier environment for the news media. He went to Mar-a-Lago, where former President Donald Trump greeted reporters by name. He came up to us, asked us how the sandwiches were, and took 20 questions, according to Mr. Cohen. Mr. Trump, who heckled the fake news in his speech that evening, elevated media bashing into a high art for Republicans, but ahead of the next presidential race, potential candidates like Governor DeSantis are taking a more radical approach. They're not just attacking nonpartisan news outlets, but ignoring them altogether. Imagine if somebody did that around here. The story continues, although he courted right-wing podcasters and conservative Fox News host, Mr. DeSantis did not grant an extensive interview to a national nonpartisan news organization during his re-election bid, and he coasted to victory, with Rupert Murdoch's media empire now promoting him as a 2024 presidential contender. So that's what you do if you're a Florida guy. Just either try to ignore reporters, or make it impossible for them to do their jobs. What a, what a thoughtful way, a thoughtful way to promote democracy. 1026, let's go back to the phones on this Tuesday morning. Good, good morning, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob, DJ from Binghamton. Hi. I was listening to you. Good. How you doing? How are you? Great. I was listening to you guys, you and early, earlier, you and Bob. You know, one of my first jobs back then, you could work at 14 with working papers, but I was older than that, was the arena, right? They, they called it the Broome County Veterans Memorial Arena. And my job and others, remember the Seinfeld reference, once you stick around afterwards, was sweep together. I swept together with about five or six other people, and we found 
bags and bongs and pipes galore. I had my own apartment with my sister in my uh, teens. And because uh, I left home, I was a wild rocker. I was a rocker. And I just loved to do all that stuff that I did. And I didn't know when I got the job at the arena that I was going to find all this after the concerts, but I did. And um, it was just crazy. But if you type punch in, as you say, some of the strains today, because Bob will say, man, if I smoked the stuff that they have today, I'd be flying. And he's right. They call him Grease Monkey. Pac-Man OG. 99 Problems. Remember that rap? I got 99 Problems and a Chocolate OG. Banana Kush. These are the strains. And are you running like, a store? They fry your brain. Are you, you running a store? How, how do you know about all this stuff? I just, uh, as you as you say, I oh, just on, online. You don't know it from. It's it's not. You're not running a major distribution well, operation. I hope. I went to the well. I went to the new store on. Well, you don't hope. You know, I'm in ministry. I'm in ministry. I I came out of all that stuff when I was in my 20s. I went into ministry when I was 28. I think 27, 28. But anyway, uh, no, the the one on Core Street. They're open now, and I I walked in, and you can walk into the one on Core Street. You had him on there. Uh, oh yeah, I'm on your show. Yeah, yeah, I'll stop by and say hello to him. So, I didn't think he was going to open up until a little bit. I know he said when he was on the program, he said uh, January or maybe early January. I just I'll have to I'll have to stop by and bring uh what do, what do they call it a, a housewarming gift or whatever. Well, I ran into someone who works there um, that uh, we used to do music together, but any, and she, and she was telling me. That it's open now. But anyway, there's also one on Glenwood Avenue. You know where Glenwood meets Clinton around that area. So, look, but that's not a legal knows, one. That's not legal. It's well, it's not licensed. It's a store. It's a store. It's yeah, a store. I've been there. That's one of the places oh, where I've been, been to talking to the people, and and they're oh, yeah. all, you know, they're all, in my opinion, nice people. But they don't yeah. want to, for some reason. And gosh, DJ, I don't understand why. For some reason, they don't want to participate in a news story. They, they keep telling me the big guy. It's all yeah. up to the big guy. And it's like, well, here, here's, here's my number. Here's my email address. Have the big guy get in touch, and we'll do a big story. And, and clearly, the big guy understands, apparently, for him, there's nothing to be gained by talking with WNBF and calling more attention to his his uh, business operation but you know whatever yeah. you know that's well, every let's be honest i mean every business operator will decide individually whether it's in their best interest to talk with a reporter the thing is bob you know officially speaking it's still a federal crime and a federal offense tommy chong from cheech and chong did nine months for just selling pipes and bongs online saying they were they were for hookah shops just to, saying you could use them for tobacco. He's in California. And he did nine months in jail for doing that. So if they wanted to be dirty, and the Binghamton police aren't dirty, they don't want it. But the FBI could, could uh, you know, do something. But that's not what my call is about, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying if anybody runs a store has more information, you can be anonymous. Call up and talk about the different strains. They're funny. They're funny names. Yeah, I don't really want to get into that. I don't want this to turn into right. a weed show. If, okay. if it gets to that point, we'll change the call letters to W-E-E-D and make a lot of money. I mean, you imagine all weed all the time. 
and we could probably make so much money and think of how many commercials for chicken sandwiches we'd be we'd be inundated oh, with, with be right so we're going to have you know this is WEED America's first all weed station and we would be running spots for the weed shops we'd be running shops for the brownie or spots for the brownie shops and lots of 4:20 a.m. <laughs> yeah 4:20 a.m. that would be the new time the program would probably be on from you know 4 to 6 a.m. and then we'd have a contest <laughs> giveaway at 4:20 every morning you know, and that's what, you know, people are always saying, you know, in 2023, we have to look for new ways, to, uh, non-traditional revenue. Well, that's one. We would be making so much money, they'd say, gee, that WNBF, we miss them. But now this weed, weed radio is so popular. Now, now Bob is becoming, you know, the, the Rush Limbaugh of, of right. this generation. It, and I'm, it, I joke about it, but I. I get the sense that somebody who comes up with a national weed show, and if it winds oh, up will. syndicated, and they could will. be on in, in all the states where it's now legal, that could be the next successful. Hi, this is Bob Limbaugh, and welcome yeah. to Weed, the All Weed Network. I mean, think of the millions of dollars that we could rake in legally. There are podcasts now, I'm sure. A lot of podcasts. Yeah, well, everybody's got a podcast. I mean, Here's the point I want to make, right. though. Let me, let me make this point real quick, and, and, and that is that the, the seriousness of it is the changing of the structure of your brain so quickly through this powerful, powerful, which is equal to a psychotropic medication today. People aren't realized, man. You know, God didn't give you a brain for that granddaddy cush and uh, granddaddy perps. There's one called granddaddy perps because it's purple. They have, you know, our brains aren't meant for that. So people, it's not a joke. No, that's true. Our brains aren't meant to be addled by any drug. No Caffeine, yeah, right. no alcohol, uh, uh, nicotine, THC. Right. We're, we're not, you know, we're not supposed to be doing stuff to affect our brains. And yet, as humans, it seems many of us do. But that was a fun job, Bob. I wanted to call it the first job I had. That's interesting. Ted Nugent, man. Ted Nugent. Yeah, he's not doing that. He never did drugs. He never drank or smoked at all. That's true. That's a true story. He never did. That's one of the he things. It's, it's fascinating when I hear stories like that. People who were hard rocking and you would think hard living guys. And it turns out you, you find out about you know their their personal lives. And it's like. Yeah, he's he's actually more more conservative than Donald J. Trump ever was. He is in terms of lifestyle, you know, not not necessarily right. in political philosophy. Although I think now their political philosophies are are quite similar. I believe. Anyway, thank you for um, sharing some of the sure. the memories of our arena. Hey, I enjoyed it, man. Have a blessed day. Ten thirty four. Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF ninety two one FM twelve ninety AM and always available on the free WNBF app. Thirty-seven. It's Bob Joseph live on your favorite radio station, WNBF.
Tom and Endwell, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the, um, the documents and the difference between how people are treating Biden and compared to Trump. But the first thing, this whole thing with uh, marijuana and legalizing that, um, I think everybody's concern needs to be how far is our government going to go to legalize other drugs and become like a, you know, a hidden kingpin for the drug cartel. Um, you know, they're, they're treating marijuana like they did alcohol. Once they can figure out how to tax it and control it, now they got, they're got they making money off it. It's less stress to make to be a part of it than to be against it, re- arresting people. They're making more money being a part of it, you know. But my opinion, I think a lot of people knew and know that, you know, this was coming and they're treating it just like they did with the alcohol back in the day. But... Um, I find it funny, back to the documents, how, you know, even yourself, when, you know, they supposedly got Trump with all this, like, you opened your show on it. And when it comes to Biden, everybody's like, eh, mm. And, you know, they knew about this um, at the last election. I'm not, I don't, I don't think they knew about it at the presidential election, but the election after that, they knew about this and they hit it. You know, all these right-wing conspiracy theories down the road or, you know, shown to be true and that they weren't a conspiracy theory. You know, we, I, I just think it's funny how Biden's getting, like, this whole special treatment. And he got these. He should get special president. treatment. He He's a special person. He's president of the United States. Well, Trump didn't get no special treatment. and. Yes, when he was president of the United States, he received special treatment. Then after, he was no longer president when it became clear that he apparently was in possession of many, many confidential documents that were illegally removed from the White House and taken down to his little house at Mar-a-Lago. That's a problem. That's a problem. A former president who purloins highly confidential documents and leaving them in places where they could have been accessible to um, low-level functionaries for foreign governments who probably could have sent people into his little residence in Florida, that's a problem. We see so far, based on the information that's been released publicly, we see no indication that any of the purported documents that may have been left behind at an office that once was used by Joe Biden. We've seen no indication that low-level functionaries for a foreign government could have had access to them. Well, President Biden took his as a vice president. He wasn't even president, and he had him for how many years just tucked away, you know, just like they're hiding everything else. Like, uh, well, what, what about the laptop? What about the laptop? What about the laptop? Did they not hide that? You know? No, the the laptop, first of all, somebody, somebody got access to some highly personal information from Hunter Biden's laptop and then disseminated that, violating the guy's expectations of privacy. You don't take somebody's laptop and then smear it all over the Internet. Well... It didn't get smeared all over the internet because they took everything down and they hit it and the FBI hit it and they've had the laptop for how long and they're hiding it. 
just like hiding all the censoring everybody with Twitter and Facebook and all the Democrats that are involved. Like, that's all okay. You know, they're, they're going to hide this story with Joe Biden, just like they did with the laptop and the censoring. And they're involved, you know, the FBI and the Democrats' involvement with Twitter and Facebook. And it, it, they just hide it. And they're going to hide this too. And they're going to hide. Oh, come on, you know, Tom. Come on, man. How can they possibly hide it? The Republicans now control the House. So it's going to be impossible to hide all this. Um, they were hiding it when hiding information when Trump started, when he became president in uh, 2020. I'm saying now the Republicans, that the, the entire setup of the House is different. The Republicans, with their powerful new House Speaker, they're in charge now. They're going to conduct so many investigations, it'll make our head spin. C-SPAN will have to be turned into uh, basically a law and disorder channel operated by Dick Wolf because they'll have all investigations all the time. With Republicans running the House? Listen, if we had a good speaker, every Democrat would have been fighting tooth and nail to not get him in there. All the Democrats were okay. He's with- a great speaker. What do you mean, if you had a good speaker? He's a great speaker. Because he aligns a lot with some of the Democrats. Who? And they're, and they're- Who does he align with? He doesn't align with Nancy Pelosi. He doesn't align his his views, his worldview, or his political views with Binghamton's Hakeem Jeffries. Come on, man. Time will tell, Bob. Like you say, stay tuned. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be interesting. And to your point, that they're going to somehow be able to hide what happened with whatever documents they that may have been discovered. Remember. The big one of the big differences, not the only difference, but one of the big differences between Trump Gate and Biden Gate when it comes to alleged possession of confidential documents, these few documents that were apparently discovered in an office that once was used by Joe Biden, they were they were turned over to the National Archives. Nobody came looking for them. They were voluntarily turned over to the National Archives by uh, Biden's attorneys. Isn't that isn't that what's been reported? What what happened with the alleged boxes of confidential documents at Mar-a-Lago? The only way we found out about those was the FBI raid. Right? Isn't it weird how you had Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and Joe Biden, and there's no raid? And, and the There's no need for a raid. They they discovered apparently a clerical error, an oversight, and they reported it to the federal government. So based on the information that's come out so far, it appears that Biden's people are fine, upstanding, law-abiding people versus the former guy who may not fall into that category and may in fact be facing potential criminal prosecution. And Joe Biden was only vice president. And look how long he had. And that's guys. the thing. He was only vice president. Talk about a low-level functionary. The only real role for the vice president, as we see with Kamala Harris, now she doesn't even have that role anymore because of how things went with the Democrats winning the Senate. But 
typically her role was to serve as a tiebreaker when the Democrats could only count on 50 votes in, in the Senate over the past couple of years. And then she has to do the un, unpleasant things like be the president's representative at funerals. You know, what kind of a job is that? Vice president. I'd, I'll tell you this, Tom, in Endwell. I would much rather be doing what I'm doing here every day in Binghamton than have to spend one minute as vice president of the United States. No, I agree. I mean, yeah. I don't care what, what your lot in life is. In, in my personal opinion, just as an observer, I've never had a chance to interview a former vice president, but just my observation is it doesn't look like it's any fun. No. You know, you but have you, you essentially have no power. And look at look at poor Kamala Harris, how much abuse, how much grief she's had to put up with since becoming vice president nearly two years ago. Seems that she can't win. She can't win. No matter what she does, people are second-guessing her and being highly critical. And let's face it, all she can do is what she's allowed to by her boss, the president. So I think people should have a little bit of sympathy for Kamala Harris or anybody who's in the role of vice president. Have you not, like, sat back and just watched both of them in speeches? You would think that your your people in the highest power would be able to, like, have a conversation without sounding like they're just getting out of second grade. What do you mean? I mean you, you would think that the president or vice president would be able to speak as eloquently as a Binghamton talk show host? Bob, n- neither one of them can speak as good as you. That's- well, that, that was my point. And, and by the way, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I, I just wanted to ask that directly. I mean, again, it doesn't prove anything. I'm not saying I would be presidential material, but I certainly could, in my personal humble opinion, I certainly think I could speak gooder than Joe Biden. On some things, like yeah. <laughs> so I, but I don't know what that means. I'm just saying we we could find you know who actually could speak well, relatively speaking, with was Mike Pence because he was a former radio talk show host in Indianapolis. So even though he never came across as Mister Excitement, I've heard some tapes of his radio show when he was in Indy doing a talk show somewhat similar to what I do. But he certainly didn't seem to have much pizzazz. But he was well spoken. He was very articulate. Right. I mean, you what know, you know what? This is this is what I think the Republicans needed. And maybe even even looking ahead to twenty twenty four, they need somebody, a combination character, somebody who has the energy and the wit and the enthusiasm of Donald Trump. And somebody who is as articulate as Mike Pence, somebody who is a high-energy person who can actually very eloquently state their views on various issues, no matter what the issue is, immigration or other aspects of foreign policy, domestic policy, the economy, all sorts of things. They need somebody who is well-spoken and yet high-energy. Because Mike, Mike Pence, I thought, was very articulate in those times when he spoke. But I got to tell you, he had the he, he could have been a staff announcer at C-SPAN for all the energy he had. Yeah, you know who'd be a good one that would uh, totally uh, make the Democrat um, flip on their whole Black Lives Matter would be Candace Owens. 
Well, Can't there you go. Would 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 set the Democrats far back on their whole race. Um, well, why doesn't she run for president in 2024? I don't think she's president material, but I think she'd be good high up or even VP. Well, then she could be Trump's running mate. She'd be good. Well, she, she would uh, She would set the Democrats far back on a lot of their uh, fake ideologies that they like well, to push on the Let's put it this way. First of all, I think it's a given Joe Biden isn't going to seek a second term. I think, aside from the New York Post, I saw the New York Post cover yesterday, and let me just double-check, because it it claimed <laughs> that Joe Biden is going to run in 2024. The uh, New York Post said, based yeah. on some reports, that Biden will run in 2024, according to a report. And the giant headline on the Post yesterday... Actually, it was Sunday's New York Post. Said, Joe, no. And come on, man. He's not going to run for another term. He's not. No. They're, they're going to put Jeffries in. Jeffries. Hakeem be, Jeffries? I, yeah. You're, you're kidding me. You, uh, Binghamton University graduate running as the Democratic nominee? Yeah, because he's running as, as far left as I think the government wants him to run far left. And if this is the first, this is the first time I've heard this, and I'm intrigued. So if if Hakeem Jeffries becomes a presidential candidate to, and well, not two years from now. Now it's <laughs> 2024 is next year now. Um, so if he, and I, I think that's far fetched, but still it's intriguing. So if say the Democrats somehow decide to nominate Hakeem Jeffries as their presidential candidate for next year, who do you think would be a good running mate? For, I think DeSantis is going to run. No, I mean a running, mate, a running mate for Hakeem Jeffries. Oh, I know, I, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, just for the moment, let's just speculate, because speculation, especially with a guy who went to Binghamton University, the thought of a, a Binghamton University grad even being a candidate for president is is just so exciting. Not saying he would win, but it would be exciting. But who do you think the Democrats to balance out the ticket? So you would have a guy who grew up in Brooklyn, went to Binghamton University, probably used to hang out here at the corner of State Street and Court Streets on the weekends. We don't know that, but he probably did. He was a typical Binghamton student. So who would balance the ticket for the Democrats last uh, next year if Hakeem Jeffries is the presidential candidate? Let's make it interesting. Let's say AOC. <laughs> yes! Yes, two New Yorkers who are beloved by Democrats, not really beloved by Republicans or conservatives, but that would be a fascinating, fascinating campaign. And then, so, let's let's lock it in. Again, purely speculation, and none of this is going to happen, but just for purposes of this radio discussion. So, Hakeem Jeffries for president, AOC as his running mate, and then we'll say, hypothetically, for Republicans, the presidential candidate would be Ron DeSantis. Who would be a good running mate for Mr. DeSantis? Let, let's keep the female in there. Let's, uh, Candace Owens. Okay, or Claudia Tenney. Or green. <laughs> yes, green. Thank you. 1053. Bob Joseph, idle speculation, running amok on WNBF. Did you know? News Radio 1290, WNBF. 
1055, Bob Joseph, the radio guy who says he's on your side. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety is the number if you need to uh, reach me for anything. Let's take a look at email from the internets. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Thank you, Gretchen Whitmer. Gretchen Whitmer would be a good running mate, according to uh, Scotty in California, who's tuned in. Gretchen Whitmer would be a great running mate with Hakeem Jeffries. Jeffries Whitmer, 2024. She's the governor of Michigan. Game, set, and match. Thank you, Scotty, from California. I think we're on to something. And to think it all started right here on WNBF in Binghamton. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. This is Aaron from Binghamton. Hey, how you doing? Good. Hey, I heard that conversation you were having just a minute ago with that other gentleman, and I just wanted to let upstate New Yorkers know that we don't want Ron DeSantis. He's a fake conservative. A guy that sends migrants to New York from Florida is a fake conservative. We need a real conservative. Such as? Such as uh, Mike Pence would be great. But, Mike Pence and but, Claudia but, today. Well, would Mike T Pence have the enthusiasm and energy to lead the Republican ticket? As I said earlier, I think Mike Pence is very articulate. I think he's very thoughtful. He has been well-spoken. But so far, at least in the public arena, I don't see him having the, the same kind of energy level that, that would uh, really motivate a lot of Republicans to get out and vote for him. You nailed it, Bob. You're absolutely right. We need someone with energy. He doesn't have it, but but I just uh, Ron DeSantis doesn't have it either. Have you seen him speak? Yeah, yeah, I have actually. He's, he's not very not very lively. No. So I mean, I it's sad, it's sad that it comes down to that. But I, I and I will say one, it may not have been the biggest factor, but a key factor to Donald Trump's success was in fact he he has the ability to energize people. Uh, whether it's in a small group or in, a, in an arena, if he's in a place filled with supporters, he can actually uh, set the, uh, the room on fire, figuratively speaking. But a lot of Republicans don't have the same ability. That's right. Let's find that enthusiasm and that charisma and just put it in a different guy. Because Trump, is, he's not our guy either. He's right. not going to pull well, off either. My opinion is somebody is out there. The question is, the clock is ticking. I mean, now, here we are already in early 2023. So somebody in the Republican Party is going to have to find someone who who is capable of coming up with uh, popular positions that would appeal to mainstream Republicans, as well as enough independents, and, and get people energized and enthusiastic enough to get out and vote in November of next year. That's right. I want to see that happen. So let's, let's wish the best for our community and for our country. And thank you, Aaron. Appreciate your call. Thanks, Bob. Bye. It's 1058. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF, 921 FM, 1290 AM streaming at WNBF.com. Bob Joseph, it's Tuesday at 11 o'clock. This is WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. 
News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Tuesday, January 10th. You're listening to WNBF. Binghamton police are investigating gunfire that was heard in a residential neighborhood on the city's north side. People on the east end of Doubleday Street reported hearing several shots around 1.30 p.m. on Monday. Binghamton Police Detective Captain Corey Miner said there had been no indication that anyone was injured. Investigators placed yellow evidence markers in front of a two-story house at 37 Doubleday Street. Broome County Property Records described the property as a two-family residence. A small purple sign posted on the lawn of the residence featured a photo of Eliza Spencer, the Binghamton girl who was fatally shot near her east side home last April. The sign read, Justice for Eliza. A woman who was inside a nearby home told WMBF News she heard what she believed to be six or seven gunshots. She said when she went outside, she didn't notice any people or vehicles leaving the area. Several other neighborhood residents who gathered to watch police officers and detectives investigating the matter indicated that they weren't surprised by gunfire in the area. One said, just another day on Double Day. People with information about the incident may contact the Binghamton Police Detective Division at 607-772-7080. On Friday, January 6th, approximately a dozen patrons at a local store located within the village of Johnson City observed Matthew Baxter openly masturbating in the family restroom facilities over the course of 50 minutes before the police were notified. Baxter left the door unlocked during the incident, did not announce himself when any of the victims knocked, and made no effort to lock the door after any of the victims opened it and observed him. Baxter was confronted by a store employee after they became aware, but he continued his lewd behavior and a store employee contacted the Johnson City Police Department. After an investigation, Baxter was arrested and brought back to the police department for arrest processing. During this time, it was revealed that Baxter was under the supervision of the New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision, formerly known as New York State Parole. Baxter was released on an appearance ticket as required by New York State bail reform laws, and at this time, New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision has not violated Baxter under the terms of his parole. On January 5th, around 425 a.m., Broome County Sheriff's deputies responded to the Tuscarora a trailer park on State Line Road in the town of Windsor for a vehicle driving through the park firing a weapon out of the vehicle window. The suspect, Jeremiah Baxter, 19 years old of Windsor, fled the area in his vehicle prior to the deputies arriving. However, Baxter was quickly located on Ostrander Road in Windsor and taken into custody without incident. The rifle used was also recovered. The subsequent investigation revealed that Baxter was upset at a resident inside Tuscarora Trailer Park over a physical dispute that occurred with his relative. Baxter went to to the park while driving erratically through it, fired a single 306 rifle round out of the window of the vehicle. The round fired struck a residence inside the park, breaking a window and causing damage to the exterior siding. The residence was occupied, but no one was struck or sustained any injuries. Baxter was transported to the Broome County Sheriff's Office for processing and ultimately taken to central arraignment. He was charged with reckless endangerment in the first degree, a Class D felony. On Friday, January 6th, the Johnson City Police Department responded to a residence on Columbus Place to assist the Johnson City Fire Department with a reported house fire. Responding officers located heavy smoke coming from the interior of the residence. The JCFD and Binghamton Fire Department extinguished the fire a short time after their arrival. JCPD detectives and JCFD fire investigators began investigating the cause of the fire. Patrol officers and detectives spoke with witnesses, collected video evidence, and spoke with the home's residents. During the investigation, it was determined that a resident of the house had intentionally set the fire and then left. That resident, Thomas Tabor, 
has been charged with arson in the third degree. Tabor was brought to the JCPD for processing and then taken to Broome County's central arraignment. Upon his arraignment, he was released in compliance with New York State bail reform laws. On January 7th, officers of the Cortland County Sheriff's Office responded to a Walmart located at 819 Benny Road in the town of Cortlandville for a report of a larceny. It was determined that the defendant, 34-year-old Brandy Rogers, had passed all points of sale and stole Mart's store, as well as damaged Walmart store property. Ms. Rogers was also found to be in possession of a controlled substance. She was arrested and transported to the Cortland County Sheriff's Office, where she was processed and issued an appearance ticket for the above charges. Ms. Rogers is scheduled to appear in the town of Cortlandville Court on January 23rd. In the month of December, members from Troop C removed 41 impaired drivers off the roadways. Two of those impaired drivers also had a child under the age of 15 in the vehicle with them. 14 of those drivers were more than double the legal limit. Two drivers had been previously convicted of DWI in the last 10 years, and five of those drivers were under the influence of drugs. Troop C encompasses seven counties, with Broome, Shenango, Cortland, Delaware, Otsego, Tioga, and Tompkins counties. On January 9th, state police in Watertown responded to a residence on State Route 37 in the town of Pamelia for a reported stolen vehicle complaint. When troopers interviewed the complainant, he stated that he left his 2023 Toyota Tundra running when he let his dog out of the house. The suspect later identified as Wallace Gibbs III jumped into the vehicle and drove off. As the suspect fled through the city of Watertown, patrols from the state police, Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, and Watertown Police Department attempted to stop the suspect. As the vehicle was reported driving through the city, patrols located and stopped the truck on Washington Street in the city of Watertown. The driver of the stolen vehicle was identified as Wallace Gibbs III, age 32, from Watertown, New York. He was taken into custody and transported to State Police Watertown. Gibbs was charged with grand larceny in the third degree, a Class D felony, and criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree, a Class A misdemeanor, for being in possession of a metal dagger. Gibbs was arraigned in the city of Watertown Court and remanded to the Jefferson County Jail on $7,500 cash bail, $25,000 bail bond, or $50,000 partially secured surety bond. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a slight chance of snow showers before 9 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 36 degrees, chance of snow 20%. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 26. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 39. Tomorrow night, chance of snow after 1 a.m., mixing with rain after 4 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 32 degrees, chance of snow 30%. And Thursday, rain likely, mainly after 1 p.m. Cloudy with a high near 46 degrees, 60% chance of rain. Thursday night, rain, a low near 42 degrees, chance of rain 80%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Here we go. Another big hour with Bob Joseph. Call in at 607-772-1290 if you would like.
on it. You got it with Bob Joseph at WNBF. So here's here's the thing. We have uh, a pair of tickets. I was just advised by the person who is my advisor here at the station that we now have a pair of tickets for a special event that uh, is coming up next week at Tioga Downs. So this is a pair of tickets to the Matt King Tribute to Elvis. It'll be at 6 p.m. on Friday, January 20th at Tioga Downs. You know, yes, the Tioga Downs in Nichols. So we'll take caller number three. Caller number three, if you want a pair of tickets for the Matt King Tribute to Elvis, it's sold out. You can't get tickets anywhere else but here. So it's for uh, 6 p.m. Friday, January 20th. If you're caller number three at 607-772-1290, you can have a pair of tickets for the Matt King Tribute to Elvis at Tioga Downs Casino Resort in Nichols. And, uh, yeah, sounds like fun. We all love the king. All hail the king. And the Matt King tribute to Elvis. Tauga Downs, again, a pair of tickets. And I also have been advised by my personal advisor here at the station that we'll have uh, some additional tickets to give away in the next couple of days as well. So don't fret. If you don't win the tickets now, don't worry. There will be other opportunities because I'm Bob Joseph and I care about you and your entertainment needs. Oh, we have a winner. Boo, boo, boo. I mean, yay, yay, yay. This just in from the WNBF Department of Winning. Caller number three was Bob from Port Dickinson. So congratulations to Robert in Port Dickinson, one of my favorite villages. And um, there you go. So that was quick, that was easy, and it was fun. As I say, uh, more tickets to come over the next few days right here at WNBF for the Matt King Tribute to Elvis at Tauga Downs. Both of those Friday shows next week are sold out, so this will be your source if you want pure entertainment. Beverly from Port Dickinson, good morning. You're on the air. Hi, Dickinson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll blame James Kelly for that. <laughs> he, he actually put Port Dickinson on the screen. I think he was he was thinking our, our winner for the tickets is from Port Dickinson. And, of course, Beverly, you're from the town of Dickinson. What's on your mind? Oh, I got my walker, and it works nice. Oh, good. We got it all set up, and I, I'm running around the house like a, like a, like a, it's, it, like, I'm really enjoying it, though. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I I was actually getting together with uh, a couple of friends uh, last night. They're part of a focus group for the program. Every once in a while, I get together with um, a couple of friends to focus on what we should talk about on the program. And uh, this whole thing came up, and uh, it was mentioned how, how nice this was. Oh, yeah. It really helps me stand up straight. The one, the, the standard one, makes me makes me slump over a little bit. Well, I'm glad that that this will hopefully improve your your life. Hopefully, things will be uh, a little bit better for you, thanks to uh, one of our very kind listeners. 
Yeah, I I thank you. I thank everyone for doing that. I appreciate it. And, um, it really was my family. My family put put it together, and uh, I go. I want to try it. <laughs> Like a little kid, like well, I want to try it. Yeah, so well, it must it must have been life. it must have been very exciting. So, I I appreciate the the update. By by the way, did you hear that they may cancel Groundhog Day this year? Well, well, they should. He sees the shadow most of the time. That's the thing. A lot of people. I why. Well, a lot of people. God, that's been going on over a hundred years. To me, I think. I think it's all been a gimmick on the part of the people in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, just well, to try to bring in money. It's something, it's something that that they every everyone looks forward to, you know. Down there now, that's a that that's a pretty good sized town, I think. Mm, and, uh, no, it's actually it's pretty it's fairly small. I've been there. I was Oh it is? Yeah, I was in Punxsutawney, believe it or not, twenty three years ago. I remember because it was Groundhog Day two thousand and it was so, so cold. Ooh, right. It's it's about the coldest my feet ever have been. Oh, I believe it. See my family my family's from Altoona and Clearfield County. I know. We talk about that frequently, especially because the Boyer Candy Company in Altoona makes the delicious Mallow Cups. Yeah. And my my cousin, uh, he owned the, oh, what is it, the, the press down there, the mirror? Yeah, the Altoona he's Mirror. He, yeah, he's the one that founded that. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, I've been through there. It's, it's uh... They still, I think they go into Clearfield and and around in that area. But my father born, was born in Cherry Tree. Well, where is that in relation to Altoona? How far away is it from Altoona, Pennsylvania? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe 25 miles. All right, well. You ever been to Mahaffey? <sighs> no. Yeah, yeah, they're owned by, that's a family-owned town. Who owns it? The Adams family? No, no, the Mahaffey family. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, well, hence been, the that's name. been there for years. I didn't know that. I didn't know the family owned that town. Yeah, the Mahaffey family owns that town, yep. They've been, I, I think it goes back almost 200 years ago. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of um of oh, there's a, that that's a big big huge family. A big huge family. Well, how did it come to pass that they own the town? That I I don't remember what my I don't remember what my father father told me about that, but but I think that they does it. Part of the relatives bought the property. That's it, but but I don't know how much. There must be maybe a thousand people live there. I don't think it's very big. Uh, according according to the internet, the population is only three hundred twenty nine. How much? It says three twenty nine. Three twenty nine. I thought it was. What well, about everybody around? Well, here. yeah. 
yeah. you know, come and come. But they always have the happy days, and they they uh, they bring a, a a lot of people just go there just for the just for the parade and stuff. And I think that they have a, a fair too there, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it says the Mahaffey Days. They hold they hold the Mahaffey Days in August. Yeah, well, I've been to that. That's real nice. It reminds me of that TV show that they used to have on ABC. The uh, it was called Mahaffey Days. Remember? Yep. That was a good show. Yeah, but they, yeah, that's where most most of my family, some of my some of my family's from the Cambrai County, and, and uh, uh, Altoona, Altoona, and and Clearfield. I I forgot what county they're in, but we have a lot of relatives in Cambrai County. Right. But these are distant cousins and stuff. Well, according to the internet, Mahaffey is in Clearfield County, and it's on Route 219. That's a nice little place, though. All right. Well, I may go. I may go down there. It looks looks like my kind of place. Maybe in August I'll go down for Mahaffey days. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the call. Okay. Bye bye. It's eleven twenty-one. At News Radio WNBF, if you have some thoughts, we have some phone lines at 607 772 1290. You can also email the program bob at WNBF.com. Listening to News Radio WNBF 921 FM 1290 AM and always available on the free WNBF app. Now that- Sunshine, goodbye rain. She's wearing my school ring on her chain. She's my steady, I'm her man. I'm gonna love her all I can. Eleven twenty four, WNBF. Looking into the schedule for Mahaffey Days in Pennsylvania this coming August. So I have to make my plans. Looking at. The newspaper, Altoona Mirror, which Beverly mentioned, from Altoona, Pennsylvania, birthplace of the beloved Mallow Cup candy bar, the Mallow Cup Company. Altoona Mirror has a great front page today. There's a story about the uh, Pennsylvania legislature from Harrisburg. It says the Republicans are interested in a vote to end gas tax hikes. Senate Republicans in Harrisburg are poised to begin moving legislation that would stop the state's automatic gas tax increases and cap the amount of motor license fund revenue that can be transferred to help the cost of state police operations. So that's one story on the front page of the Altoona Mirror today. It's another story about a new director for a VA medical center in the area. 
There's another sad story about two sisters. I won't get into that, but it sounds sad. Uh, another story out of Harrisburg from the AP says a week after he was a surprise choice to become Speaker of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, Democratic State Representative Mark Rossi has canceled sessions for the rest of the week after failing to reach a deal on his primary legislative priority. Lawmakers were brought to the Capitol for a hastily called special session. Hmm. Okay. Well, it's too complicated to get into here. To me, the nicest thing, the nicest feature of the front page of this newspaper in Altoona, Pennsylvania, is they actually have a photo which appears to have been snapped by a photojournalist, a staff photographer. Wouldn't that be nice to have a newspaper with a staff photographer or two? Well, the Altoona Mirror still has a staff photographer. It's an excellent, excellent photo. And it shows a guy running cable lines for a company called Comcast. And it shows him working in a utility bucket next to a pole and putting cable lines up. But the great thing is the photograph is taken from his level. So I don't know how the photographer, Patrick Patrick Waxmunsky, I don't know how he got to that level. If he shot it with a camera on a stick or if he got up on a ladder, or if he used a drone. I don't know how he snapped that photo, but it's a, a very impressive little photograph there, and that dominates the front page of that newspaper. See, that's what happens when you have a newspaper that still employs photojournalists. You get that kind of art. And some people are saying, well, why do they even bother anymore since most people are reading their news on their phone so what's the point of of actually employing staff photographers but anyway that's a beautiful beautiful photo it looks nice on, on the computer screen but it looks looks like it would be nice for the people who still actually read print newspapers you know who you are it's eleven twenty eight. bob joseph celebrating a tuesday in january here in binghamton if you have some thoughts we certainly We'll entertain you with our phone at 607-772-1290. Coming up from noon to 3, Dan Bongino. From 3 to 6, Sean Hannity. It's all for you right here on News Radio WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF, number one for news and fun. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it does mean something, I suppose, to someone. So there, number one for news and fun. That sounds like a positioning statement to me. That's my position. I'm number one for news and fun. 607-772-1290. Another call. 
Hello, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Ah! They didn't want to have news or fun. Ha! <laughs> uh, somebody calling about Governor Hochul's state of the state message. Everybody, everybody is so excited about the state of the state message. Over the years, over the years... I've enjoyed the state of the state message. Some, <laughs> I won't go into explicit details. Some state of the state message, uh, state of the state messages by our governors, uh, I've actually enjoyed more than others. I'm thinking of one in particular. Was just say a, <laughs> it's just a memorable. It was a memorable. State of the state message, but they're all good. That one, I think that was George Pataki. I don't remember the particulars, but it was, as I recall, it was a pretty, pretty good speech. Anyway, uh, Governor Hochul will be delivering her state of the state message today. Maybe she's done it already. Yikes! Hold on. Let me. I better check. It'd be funny if. It would be funny if she gave her state of the state message already and we missed it. Oh, it's coming up at uh, 1. Oh, good. I'll send out for lunch and then I'll put the governor's state of the state feed from Albany. I'll put that on the big screen in the news center and then bring in local Republican officials to offer their thoughts on Governor Hochul's state of the state address. She says on uh, a tweet that she just put out two minutes ago. This afternoon, I'll be delivering my 2023 State of the State Address and sharing my vision for New York's future. Well, that's something to look forward to. Uh, according to a preview story in the New York Times, one thing that she'll do today is unveil a far-reaching billion-dollar plan to close some of the many gaps in the care system for New Yorkers with mental illness. Well, we've seen some shocking examples over the past year or two of people who apparently needed help who didn't get it in time. According to this story, Hochul is pledging to drastically change the state's approach to mental health in the wake of the pandemic and its effects on public safety and children's behavior and school performance. It says the governor's plan would compel state-licensed hospitals to reopen more than 800 inpatient psychiatric beds that disappeared during the pandemic, create 3,500 units of housing, with supportive services and expand mental health services in schools which have seen steep increases in children with psychological problems. So it could be a potentially very important initiative for New York State that the governor will talk about in her State of the State message coming up in less than two hours. Back to the phones we go. See what the people have to say. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? John Brown's body lies a molding in the grave. Joe of Greater Ithaca would like to talk about funerals. Okay, well that sounds uplifting. Uh, what what yeah. are your thoughts about funerals? 
Well, we don't need one. Uh, what you can do is go to Syracuse to the Upstate Medical Center, and they will uh, provide for you at no cost. They will pick you up uh, in a reasonable area uh, after you're dead, of course, and uh, can't just go up there and check in. And uh, they will uh, part you out, do their thing with you, and then when they're done, they'll cremate you and send you back in a little box if you so desire. Explain, if you will, what you mean by they'll do their thing with you. What, what pray tell, do you think they would do with you? The medical people need cadavers. Oh, okay. Oh, for research. Cadavers. Yeah, research. Yes. Legitimate yes. research. This is not some sort of crazed stuff that goes on after midnight. This is actual real research to come up with medical breakthroughs. Well, it's more of training of doctors than okay. it is, and it could be research, but training right. Of doctors. Oh, well, I I know I know people yeah. who've become doctors, and that's that's an important aspect of their training. Yes, so uh, you can provide for others and uh, save the cost of it, and uh, and then do what you will with the ashes. So, are you going to take advantage of this opportunity? Oh, yes, yes, uh, we are signed up for it. Other members of her family have already been processed. So tell me, I'm on the Internet now. Where do I go to sign up? Okay, Upstate Medical. I should have had this ready to go to. Upstate uh, Medical University. Yeah, yeah it's uh, oh, I mean, a quick quick. Okay, I've, I've got Upstate Medical University punched in. Uh, I'm going to just type in the Google search bar, take my body, please. Uh, yeah, take <laughs> my body. Please take it. Yeah. Well, give me give me a couple of other search terms so I can find the application. Maybe I can fill it out by noon. It's anatomical. It's a key word. Oh, anatomical gift program. Yes. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, this is fun. Oh, pledge form. Pledge form. I'm I'm already on it. It's authorized by the provisions of the Uniform Anatomical Gift Act of Public Health Law of the State of New York. I acknowledge I'm 18 years or older and able to make my decisions and can personally sign this form. So it's to certify that I wish at the time of my death, shall I meet the program criteria for acceptance to be delivered to SUNY Upstate Medical University to be used as an unrestricted gift to help further medical advancements in education. Oh, wait, hold on yeah, a second. He, it's only two pages. Complete. You must be complete. Right. But the form looks simple. Let's see. You have yes. to put in the date, the date, name, sign it, your birth date, some other personal information. Um, just an acknowledgement. It's really your signature. Oh, also, there's an address. So after death, they can contact someone to probably provide updates. And then there's, uh, oh, for disposition of cremated remains. There's one box you could check to have the remains uh, sent. Can you imagine if you didn't tell them? So it's like, you know, they get a box from Upstate Medical University, and they go, Don't know what it is. <laughs> what is yeah. this? And they open it up, you know, thinking that it's going to be something cool, like maybe a new iPhone, and it turns out, Wait a second. Wait a yeah, second. That Bob that Bob he that Bob Joseph was one one heck of a funny guy, but this is going too far. Huh. 
This is easy. I could fill this out in about uh, 90 seconds. Except I can't fill it out online. You have to print it out, and then uh, because it's a PDF file, looks like you have to print it out and then send it to uh, uh, 750 East Adams Street in Syracuse. Maybe I'll just drive it up this afternoon. What the heck? Yeah. Why not? What they, what they do. <laughs> say, they all... say, I'm dying to help. See, uh, a couple of things, too. Like I say, you must be complete. You can't donate parts. Right. You know, well, parts like is parts. That. I mean, you, you know, right. wouldn't that be awful? It's like you can have all of me except. You can have well, all of me except my right pinky because I've donated my, my, my right pinky yeah. to the Binghamton Broadcasting Museum. Well, it's like you've already given out, you know, there's, there's donations. Like if, say, you, you know, people donate their uh, liver or kidneys or something like that, you can't be like uh, a lot of things missing. And you could talk about the details. Like you know what I would like them thing. to do, though? Seriously, if I do sign up for this, and I may, I never thought about it before, but what the heck, if this could be used to help to train future doctors, I would like one thing, one stipulation, if I could donate my tongue. I could donate my tongue to um, that butcher shop, well, the, and they could well, mix it in with. <laughs> I see. thought I thought you were going to say because you're so well spoken. Yeah, I was that, about to say that, but then I thought, yeah, what we're almost we're almost approaching lunchtime, so and I know a lot of our listeners are going to be eating bologna sandwiches, so they're they're thinking, oh my gosh, would the the company that makes bologna sandwiches actually include that? Because you never. No, you look at the ingredient listing, and sometimes the listing of ingredients on some luncheon meats is suitably suitably um, nonspecific that you might wonder what actually is in that bologna. Uh, people do eat tongues. I mean, you can get that from a book. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, I've, I've yeah, seen I people tongue. eat tongues. I know I, people I who have the gift of tongues. I bit my tongue, and they speak in tongues, you know, and all that. But that's as close as I came. I came to, to that. The the other thing to be aware is they don't. Is uh, it's not like you're going to be sent up there on Monday, get back on Thursday. They do it at their leisure. So you're in the refrigerator for I mean, who knows how long. Well, okay? that part I don't like because I, I get cold. You know, if, yeah, if, you're, you're, if if they would just agree to do whatever they're going to do with me within 72 hours i, I no, think that at, would be better but it's at their leisure yeah at their leisure and my like my luck i'd i'd come in at the the end of the semester and then i'd be in in deep freeze for about 3 or 4 months i don't well, know it's a good chance that you will be there for many months <laughs> also you're in, you're invited to a uh, a little get together for the donors. You know, you go to Syracuse, and sure. I, I didn't take advantage of that. But you know, it was a recognition of, of what do you call it of the persons of the of the deceased. You know, with this, so they had a little something like that. I know at the time. So well, thank you for bringing up a topic that I really didn't think we'd get to this year. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't make it in the other other day there to to mention it. I get up kind of late here early catch about the last hour of the program all right yeah, well you know, thanks thanks for the information yeah. I'll, I'll go print out the form and and fill it out when i'm i'm having lunch okay bye-bye Eleven forty-three. bob joseph live on wnbf good morning you're on the air what's your first name where are you calling from hey my name's ron I'm calling from binghamton new york hi bob hi ron hey 
reminded me your your talk with uh, the gentleman about the Syracuse service. Um, remember the Frank Sinatra tune, "All of Me, All of Me." Why not take all? <laughs> yeah, well, we really. I, I every time when I think the bar can't be set any lower, we go we go and and take it down another two and a half notches. Well, here's a helpful thing. Though. Here's something for your um, consideration. If you're going to be in a refrigerator for possibly months, oh, you're going to tell me to bring some Velveeta, so or not Velveeta, some Vegemite, so I, in case I get hungry, I can can have something to snack on. Well, actually, you'll be turning into Vegemite. Oh, so so now I was going to say. It keeps getting worse, folks, but, you know, the, the yeah. saving grace of this program, how low can we go? Potentially lower, but on the bright side, we only have another 15 minutes to tackle that today. And then, then we have to wait until tomorrow to see see what, what new depths we can reach. Well, Bob, if you are in that refrigerator for months, we can get a definitive answer to whether that light stays on in the refrigerator all the time <laughs> yeah. or whether it goes off when you close that door. I, I i will uh i'll make sure i place a call i'll be using the on my phone they have a thing called facetime so i i will set up my facetime feed and we'll we'll have that on the wnbf website so people can can actually see what's what's going on there well I uh, await await to find what sort of contributions I'll be making to the Upstate Medical Center research program. Now, Bob, do we still have time, or have I used it up on triviality? Well, the truth is, yeah, you have time. Take, take another take another two minutes of valuable broadcast time, and let's talk about something more tasteful. Okay, well, I'm not sure if this is more tasteful, but uh, I'm, I'm going to ask the question, what qualifies as a scam? Uh, and, you know, we're the city which uh, had uh, as one of our important people, uh, Mr. Kilmer, with his swamp room. And, yeah, uh, who ironically know, was responsible for our once great newspaper. So think about that. You know, you can say what you will about Mr. Kilmer and whatever it was he was trying to sell in the early 20th century, but at least he had enough money to set up the Binghamton Press. There you go. Well, you know, uh, the medicine shows, which which happened in the 1900s and into the early part of the 20th century, were quite a thing. Uh, people went from town to town with medicine shows, and they had something that was going to um, cure whatever ails you. And, uh, you know, we've got something like that. And um, cut me off if you need to. But if I was uh, to choose a um, sideline right now, I think I might get into the smoking cessation scam business uh, where you bring tons of people. You go through towns. You go from town to town well. and you tell people that you're going to you're going to cure them of smoking. Well, you you give them you give them the tools they need, and hopefully they'll stop smoking. Yeah, the tools they need. Well, uh, yeah, again, that's that you know obviously that's 
that's your view, but so it's yeah. I this, this is touchy area. I, yeah, it's a I touchy know. area. So you yeah. know, I I'm not really sure why you opted to go there because I am intellectually and viscerally bugged when I hear about someone coming through town. All right. Well, you know. All right. If if yeah, if I you're <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. Of the potentially billions and zillions of topics, that is one. It's 1148. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. When I ask. Fifty with Bob Joseph at News Radio WNBF WNBF dot com six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety is our number. Saw something on on Twitter just a moment ago, and I I was thinking, I was thinking of um, actually discussing it. Because I figured it was worthy of discussion because it's in the New York Post. Let me take a closer look at this again. I don't, don't know that it's appropriate since we're about nine minutes from lunchtime for most people, including me. Yeah, I may not go. It's it's a fascinating New York Post. I don't know where they get their stories. They must have a lot of bureaus around the world, but there is a... A particularly curious story. Actually, now that I'm looking for it, I don't see it. Maybe, maybe they decided. Maybe they decided it really wasn't palatable at lunchtime. I thought I saw a tweet from the New York Post, and I thought, well, that's just weird. That is just too weird. And then I thought, well, it is the New York Post, so what do you expect? So, well, I'll think about it. Maybe I'll use it tomorrow, but I, I won't do it right before lunchtime. It's, it's almost funny in a way. But as I say, now that I'm looking for it, maybe it was another, another website. Speaking of odd stories, the George Santos story continues to amaze and even, on some levels, amuse two members of Congress, Daniel Goldman and Richie Torres, today have filed an official complaint asking the House Ethics Committee to investigate their colleague, George Santos. He's the Republican who admitted to lying about his background. Those uh, members of Congress requested the House Committee explore whether Mr. Santos who now is representing parts of Long Island and Queens, broke the law when he filed his required financial disclosures late and without key details about his finances. The complaint was filed just days after George Santos took the oath of office. It adds significant pressure 
to a novice lawmaker already surrounded by controversy and facing calls to resign. And it's still, to me, it's still kind of shocking that George Santos, after the front-page story in the New York Times, that he didn't just say, okay, you caught me. I am a compulsive liar. I've been caught. I did win the congressional election in November, and although I am legally entitled to be sworn in, as a member of the House of Representatives, I cannot in good conscience uh, go that route. Well, obviously George Santos has no problem with <laughs> becoming a member of Cong Congress, even though his ability to tell the truth is in question. Says Santos was dogged by scrutiny from fellow lawmakers and the public after the newspaper uncovered consist inconsistencies in his background. So this story was just posted, this news story posted on the New York Times website. In some interviews with select news media outlets, Santos has acknowledged lying to voters about his educational and professional history, though he has admitted only to embellishing his resume, his lawyer, has said in a statement that the campaign spending did not break any campaign finance laws. But so far, Santos has not addressed the paucity of information on financial disclosure forms he filed with the House clerk during his campaign. The candidates are required to file their forms by May 15th of an election year. He did not submit his until September. So there are plenty of questions swirling around George Santos. He's the son of Brazilian immigrants. He also reported owning an apartment in Rio de Janeiro valued at as much as a million dollars, but he told the New York Post last month he did not own any properties and he has not provided more details about the property in Brazil. So this morning, uh, the two congressmen we mentioned delivered a copy of their complaint to the office of George Santos in Washington. Standing outside the office door, the members of Congress said they decided to take action in part because of the relative silence of the congressional Republican leadership. The new speaker, Kevin McCarthy, hasn't said much. Since details about the fabrications emerged, Representative Steve Scalise, the Republican Majority Leader, today said party leadership would handle questions about the role of George Santos in Congress internally. Mr. Scalise said, obviously, there were concerns about what we had heard, and so we're going to have to sit down and talk to him about it. Mr. Santos told reporters in Washington this morning he had done nothing unethical. He had done nothing unethical, he said, except to lie and make things up. <laughs> well, remember, it is Congress, so I suppose, I suppose members of Congress are inclined to treat this sort of thing with kid gloves because, let's face it, 
if truthiness is going to be the the thing that keeps people from getting kicked out of Congress, well, there could be some problems ahead. Anyway, that's the latest as the George Santos saga moves forward. 1157, this is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Did you? Mission accomplished, as always. And we always wrap up on time, too. Bob Joseph, hope you have a great afternoon. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.